and welcome. This is the UC Santa Cruz News Roundup podcast for the weeks of May 28 to June 8, 2018. I'm Gwen Jordanay, and I'm an editor in the Communications and Marketing Office at UC Santa Cruz. And I'm Dan White, and I'm a writer in the Communications and Marketing Office at UC Santa Cruz. And we're going to get into the recent news from UC Santa Cruz, all of which you can find at news.ucsc.edu. And sadly, Dan, uh, we don't have a sponsor I think this been, time. It's, it's hard. Did we to offend run someone? I think we offended people <laughs> who feel like, I don't know, that we, we, we make fun of the fact that they use grammar wrong. Oh. I mean, incorrectly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Is our... Is our ad sales rep like out to lunch or? I, I think we should, we're going to need to do something. This we're going to need sad. to get a sponsor out there. All right. Maybe someone listening to this can recommend a horrible grammar problem that annoys <laughs> them and that could be our sponsor and you could save the podcast. All right. Well, Step we, up. Yeah. Generous sponsors appreciated. All right. Well, uh, with a, a lack of a sponsor, forthwith, we will get on with the news. Yes. You know, there is some... Um, some big event happening uh, in the next couple of weeks. Can you guess what it is? Uh, I'm going to get a haircut? <laughs> oh, no. you mean pertaining to UC Santa Cruz? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. wow. Mm, what could it be? We're in June. Something. Oh, you know what? I know what it is. Commencement. Yeah, you got it. Commencement ceremonies hosted by our 10 colleges, the Graduate Division and the Baskin School of Engineering, are going to be Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, June 14 through 17. So coming right up. And for the first time in more than a decade, some of the exercises are going to be in the Cory Amphitheater. Which is incredible. Yay. Historic, reviewed, renewed site, rather. I That's know. It's such a great place for it. it. And it's a great place all just in general. Um, it's now reopened, as you know, and it's going to be fabulous for commencements. And some will be on the East Field as well. Additionally, many of the ceremonies are going to be live streamed this year. Which is great because it is so hard. Let's say you've got 10 children who are all graduating at the same time from different colleges. <laughs> 10 children, eh? <laughs> or no, let's, let's be more. Let's say that some all of them, them are, the, are from the grad division. Let's say it's staggered out a little bit. <laughs> Um, or maybe some would have, have delayed graduation. But let's say it works out that you've got to go to 10 ceremonies all over the campus. What are you going to do? You're going to live stream it. Oh, my right? God. Okay, if you have 10 children all at UC Santa Cruz, and please, least of your please call me right now because I need to do a story on this. Yes, exactly. Um, anyway, so they're going to be uh, live streamed, which is great in case people can't make it to Santa Cruz. They can still watch their friend or loved one graduate. So that's fantastic. You can find the link at specialevents.ucsc.edu slash commencement. And there you'll also find a complete list of commencement events, including times, locations, and speakers. So about 3,200 students have applied to participate in uh, college commencement ceremonies, and about 175 graduate students are expected to participate in the graduate Divisions, commencement ceremonies. So a, a nice big crop of graduating folks. An array of speakers will share advice and wisdom with these soon-to-be alumni as well. So that should be exciting to hear what these speakers have to say. And these new alumni, speaking of them, they should check out our alumni network, to which they'll be automatically added to the alumni family. 
They can check it out at alumni.ucsc.edu. And Gwen, do you remember the name of the song, the graduation song? Dee, dee, bitty, dee, dee. Pomp and Circumstance. I used to think when I was a kid that it was Pompous Circumstance. <laughs> it should be renamed that. Yes, um, I actually played that in my junior high band That's, for graduation. I believe that Saturday, I did too. So. What did you yeah. play? Clarinet. I played trumpet. Oh my God. Yeah. We should get a band together right Absolutely. now. Absolutely. Okay, you know, uh, these new alumni that are going to be graduating, they will be leaving a campus that offered an incredibly unique experience. And I bet any one of them would tell you the same thing. UC Santa Cruz is known for being gorgeous. I mean, everyone says that about it, right? It's known for its beautiful landscapes, but its meadows, forests, farms, farm fields, coastal bluffs also support scientific research and hands-on learning opportunities for students. It's, you know, it's a living laboratory, as they say. Students in virtually every discipline from the arts to engineering take advantage of the campus's physical resources to support and enrich their educational experience. They can participate in field research at the UCSC farm, they can practice restoration ecology on the UC Natural Reserve at Younger Lagoon, where they might do things like plant native plants and restore coastal bluffs. They learn plant propagation and nurture seedlings in the UCSC greenhouses, and they explore the campus natural reserve for ongoing, uh, an ongoing forest inventory project. It's remarkable. It's pretty amazing the things just, you can do forest. here. You're in the forest and you have so many opportunities to get your hands in the dirt and learn a lot. And so the UC Santa Cruz campus is more than just a beautiful place. It's home to cutting edge research, experiential learning, and many cross-divisional projects. It hosts millions of dollars in government funded research outside of the laboratories and buildings we usually think of as where research happens. This is a great story, and there's so much more to it. So go to news.ucsc.edu to read this whole fascinating story, and there's a great video there as well. It's what a great opportunity to get to go to school up there. It exactly, really is. I know. With the raccoons and the deer and the yeah. everything. Mm -hmm. All right, so Dan, what's on your news radar? Well, a lot is going on. Uh, Let's like talk a little bit about the eating habits of black holes. What? As we all know, <laughs> you know, this is actually sloppy eating habits. I, I, seriously. I can, I can totally imagine that. A black yeah. hole must be a mess. It, it, in certain circumstances, <laughs> it is. As we all know, black holes devour stars. That's what they do. But you're probably wondering what that would kind of look like. Yeah. What happens I when a wondering. super massive black hole would eat a star for breakfast? Hmm. Now, there's a brand new study led by theoretical astrophysicists at the University of Copenhagen's Niels Bohr Institute and at UC Santa Cruz, and it gives us an intriguing model that explains some recent observations of black holes and uh, chewing on these stars. Hmm. I'm going to give you a very simplified view of how this works. Okay. okay. That let's sounds good to a, me. Let's say you've got a, a star... Stars can't always be careful. Let's say it's careless and unlucky. Wanders <laughs> too close to the supermassive black hole in the center of its galaxy, ah. and it gets ripped apart by the black hole's gravity in a violent cataclysm that scientists call a tidal disruption event, or TDE. Okay. Now, this can produce a bright flare of light and radiation. This phenomenon is really quite rare, at least in terms of in, in a human scale. Most... Uh, 
black holes when they're eating a star allow no light to escape. They're mm -hmm. rather neat eaters. But every so <laughs> often, really every 10,000 years or so, a super massive black hole will stuff so much star material, so much stellar debris and stellar gas into whatever a black hole has Stomach? for a mouth. Uh, I, I don't know. And it's gaping it's mouth, that Like there's so much of this stuff that the result of that is this observable burst of light and radiation that scientists can detect. Oh my gosh. Coming from that process. I'm almost visualizing like a fiery burp. Like if you have, <laughs> yeah, exactly. When my, my little daughter dares me to have too much hot sauce, just as a dare, daddy, <laughs> can you eat the hot sauce? And that's what happens. This fiery kind of burst of radiation. Now, um, some of the black holes emit mostly x-rays, while others emit mostly a visible and ultraviolet light. Now, anyway, scientists can actually observe that radiation. It helps them make some calculations about the black holes. Hmm. And this new study, which was published in Astrophysical Journal Letters, provides a model that explains some recent observations of these extreme events. Co-author Enrico Ramirez Ruiz, professor and chair of astronomy and astrophysics at UC Santa Cruz, and also Niels Bohr professor mm -hmm. at the University of Copenhagen, explains that only the last decade have uh, scientists been able to look at these tidal disruption events, these big bright flares of light and radiation, mm -hmm. and distinguish them from other galactic phenomenon. So this is a really interesting situation, giving uh, scientists a unique framework for understanding these rare events. Wow. Also in other spellbinding news, Want to talk about that <laughs> more earthbound though? Want to talk about a really unusual class that became an unexpected hit among students at UC Santa Cruz. Renee Fox, an assistant professor of literature and co-director of the Dickens Project, yeah. UC Santa Cruz, decided to offer a class this winter about the Harry Potter books by no J.K. Rowling. Absolutely. Even to muggles like us? To muggles. You don't have to be a wizard to appreciate <laughs> it, although I guess it helps. And she must have wondered to herself, what am I getting getting you to hear? Because she, how is the class going to be received? Well, it's a bona fide hit. With nearly 400 students enrolling, in fact, it was one of the most popular humanities offerings this year. Nice. So I wondered how Harry Potter did compare to like, the Odyssey by Homer. <laughs> I wonder if it bested the Odyssey. Maybe yeah, it probably. is our Odyssey. Yeah. Now, according to our uh, writer here, Mary Garcia, who wrote a spellbinding story yes. about this. Mm -hmm which you can read, by the way, at news.ucsc.edu. Students had to read all seven books, the whole canon, right, mm -hmm. yeah. of Harry Potter. Though they were able to save a little bit of time if they wanted to, they could see a movie version of one mm -hmm. of them if they're feeling There are smart. movies for all of them. And she taught the class, Professor Fox taught this class in a really interesting way, I think. When I would go up there, I would just say, why is Draco Malfoy so mean? You know, or just <laughs> right. something. No, what she did was something really original. It was really kind of a jumping off point to talk about things like literary theory, Students engaged in textual analysis. The first book was a jumping off point to talk about genre studies, to really seek out and study the various characteristics of the books that made the Harry Potter series qualify, classify as children's lit. Hmm. Now, uh, Mary Garcia uh, tells me that uh, the students even took a look at animal studies to understand the significance of a wizard's ability to take the shape of animals oh, in the third installment of the Harry Potter Patronus series. or whatever, yeah. Yes, and so it's it's really, uh, it's this, and by the way, the professor's a committed Potter head. <laughs> she even got sorted into one of the houses virtually by going to the Pottermore website and providing some personality details. I'm not quite sure. I'd be scared to do this because I wouldn't want to end up in <laughs> like Slytherin or something. You would not be a Slytherin. Uh, yeah, I would You'd be, be a Hufflepuff. Hufflepuff. <laughs> yeah, Hufflepuff. <laughs> 
who's the, what's the, the bumbling guy with a rat? What's his name? Uh, when, I can't remember him. Was he Hufflepuff? Yeah. Oh, he was str- struggling Ron. for a Ron. Yeah, Weaselbottom. I don't know. I'm just making up. That sounds like a Harry <laughs> Potter character. It does. I hope there's no Potter fan, hardcore fans listening yeah, to this. Yeah. But I'll hear it's about it. It's been a while them. since I've read it. But yeah. Anyway. Well, cool. That sounds like a fun and educational course that actually, uh, through, you know, through a popular medium, teaches literary theory. Really, UC Santa Cruz is a place where big stuff happens all the time. And uh, on a much, much more serious note, mm-hmm. infinitely more serious note, yeah. uh, we had very recently in late May a group of really just an all-star cast of speakers challenging the audience to rethink modern incarceration. This mm-hmm. was held on campus, and it was completely just packed. I didn't yeah, go, but yeah. I heard it was just packed to the gills. Okay. A lot of people there. And prison reform was really front and center of this recent discussion with some really high-profile and outspoken panelists, mm-hmm. including Professor Emerita, Angela Davis. I interviewed her at some length wow. a few years ago, and that was fascinating. And also the distinguished uh, professor of psychology, Craig Haney, was the who introduced this and moderated, as well as Robert King and Albert Woodfox. This is an incredible piece of information, but collectively... Uh, Mr. King and Mr. Woodfox, they served collectively 72 years hmm. in solitary confinement confinement at the notorious oh Angola God. prison in Louisiana. I can't even wow. imagine. And there are two surviving members of the three men who came to be known as the Angola Three who really drew attention to and publicized the hmm. just horrific conditions. All three were imprisoned in six feet by nine foot cells at what was once a 19th uh, slavery 19th century slave plantation. Um, Angela Davis said it's helpful to recognize that punishment in the form of imprisonment bears a direct relationship to slavery. Mm -hmm. By the way, uh, Davis was a professor in the history of consciousness department for 17 years uh, at UC Santa Cruz until retirement in 2008. Mm -hmm. Uh, Another thing that was mentioned, which is incredible, the United States with just 5% of the world's population has 25% of the world's prisoners. That's 2.2 million people in jails, detention centers, and prisons. And uh, as Professor Davis pointed out, a disproportionate number of them are African-American. Oh my gosh. So this was really just one of those things where it was just really hard-hitting discussion of prison reform Mm -hmm. and the future of incarceration and Angela Davis really calling for a transformation of society that uh, no longer relies in her words on prison repression, Mm -hmm. describing a process of discovering, imagining, creating a form of justice that heals and ends the cycle of uh, retribution. These topics are hard. These words are hard to hear, but must be said. And I think it's great that people were able to go to this forum and learn so much about the issue and learn about the future of incarceration and from people who had such an intimate connection to the subject. Yeah, exactly. It's incredible. People really have a link to history in that mm-hmm. sense. So. Yeah. All right. Well, that's interesting uh, news that that, that type of um, instructive, informative event happens right here at UC Santa Cruz. And you can always check out more of our events online, events.ucsc.edu. 
And I think that is pretty much it for this week, unless anything else is happening. Dan, you know it. Unless something happens just before my eyes in the next couple of seconds. <laughs> and I nope. wouldn't put it, because UC Santa Cruz is a time That's where true. there are constant events being added, things that are happening all the time. Yeah. All right. Well, then uh, that's it for this week, and we will see you next time. See you next time. Bye.